Women Taking the Lead, episode 192. The missing piece is always action. And that's just, I think that whenever I'm stuck, if I just take a step, things get more clear. You know, when you're sitting there and there's fog and you don't know, you know, where am I supposed to go from here? Just take one step and then the next step becomes more clear. But if you just try to sit there and figure it all out, you know, the lights will never be green for you to get to the store kind of thing. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Julie Broad, who is an Amazon number one bestselling author, recipient of the Top 20 Under 40 Award for Vancouver Island, a successful entrepreneur, recognized real estate investor, and a popular speaker and workshop trainer. Her first book, More Than Cash Flow, debuted at number one overall on Amazon Canada and went on to win an international book award. Her newest release, The Brand New You, launched in July 2016 and recently won a Beverly Hills Book Award for Best Sales Book. Julie, that's amazing. I'm so grateful that you had the time to come on and chat with us, but that that's just an overview of who you are. So if you could, tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. For sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And uh, yeah, I mean, as a young girl, it's kind of funny. I I have two books now, but um, I I loved writing and I spent a lot of time alone in my room writing short stories and essays and even longer form fiction. It was kind of my thing. But uh, somewhere along the line, I I heard or maybe someone told me or something, you know, writers don't make money. And and I had and I kind of thought, well, you know, I should probably do something that will make some money. So I ended up going to university for a, a bachelor of commerce, so a business degree. <laughs> <laughs> so close, so so yeah, close, <laughs> so similar. <laughs> and then, I mean, when I was graduating, I took on student loans to do that, and all I could think about was, okay, I need a really good paying job. You know, it's like those dreams that you have as a kid; they kind of reality kicks in, and you just put them aside and you forget about them. So I was like, okay, I need a job that's going to pay really well. So my best job offer that came to me was a sales job. (laughs) The problem is, though, I couldn't sell. And I'm I'm a very high introvert. So the combination was pretty bad. (laughs) And I was, you know, if if you were to have the scale, like uh, the personality tests, you know, one is a high extrovert and 10 is a high introvert. I'm probably around a seven or an eight. So not extreme introversion, but, you know, I'm quite shy and quite uncomfortable meeting strangers. So so you throw me into a job where my job is going around from store to store, meeting strangers and asking them to give me more display space or to give me end cap space. So it, it was very uncomfortable. So my job was I worked for Kimberly Clark Canada selling Kotex and Huggies and Kleenex. So these these are number one and number two brands in their category. So it's not even a hard sales job because the stores pretty much have to carry them. But I would still circle the aisles for 30, 40 minutes and not get the courage to go talk to the store manager. And I'd end up back in my company car crying. And it was brutal. It was, it was just such a rough start. But eventually, I kind of just said, you know what, I need this job, I have to pay the bills, I'm just gonna have to go and do it. 
And, uh, and I tell one story in my book that I just put out, The New Brand You, where I was so nervous at one point preparing for a head office presentation that I actually forgot to put my pants on before I left the house. <laughs> so selling paid well, but it wasn't a skill that I was born with. And, and I just, I really, I got more comfortable by just focusing on helping the people that I was calling on in the stores. So basically, I'd look at the, the day and go, okay, how can I help this person do their job? What can I do to make their day easier? And I would just really try to do that rather than focusing on myself and focusing on what I had to do. I tried to focus on them. And bit by bit, that really helped me evolve and build relationships and get more comfortable in those roles. And that was kind of that was kind of my start, my first job, my first real kind of job and and, uh, and my first foray into sales. So it was it was tough. Oh, man, Julie, I'm with you. I think we all have rough starts when we first start our career, but that was rough to go right into a field that you just didn't even feel suited for. But I love how you said that, you know, when you started focus on being of service, right, finding that connection to your own values and what you were doing, then things started to change and you were able to build some confidence around it. Um, and you started us right off there with, with one of those moments that I'd love for you to share another story about. Um, we all have what we, what we call playing small moments. And it comes from the Marianne Williamson quote, where she talks about, you know, you're playing small does not serve the world. So I always love to, to start and kick off the interview here. The, you know, the first question being, tell us about a time when you were playing small, when you, you didn't realize how much value you had to bring, or you didn't realize how capable you were. And because, and because of that, you unconsciously held yourself back. Julie, kick us off with your playing small story. Well, it's kind of, it's funny because it's not really one story. It's as I alluded to, you know, from a, from the point of you know childhood, I always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't, I did everything but for a long, long time. And at one point I went, I left that job at Kimberly Clark and I went back to school to do an MBA because I had, I looked around and I was like, okay, how am I going to get to six figure salary as fast as possible? And an MBA seemed like the, the answer. And I took a job from my MBA uh, working for a real estate data company. And again, I started in sales, <laughs> but I worked my way up to vice president of sales and client services. And my, my moment where everything kind of, I realized how I had been, you know, I was on this path that I didn't want to be on was I reached a point where I was making my six figure salary and had bonuses. And I, I had this, this one specific kind of, I don't know, lightning, lightning bolt moment. It was the annual planning time. And, and, uh, and this was 2008. So social media and blogging was starting to become quite popular and being in charge of sales and client services, I saw a lot of applications for it to help us with our, you know, to bring people in the door rather than us doing all the cold calling and upselling, which was our, our sales model at the time. So I spent months working on our annual plan and I really built a plan that I thought was fantastic. I kept costs low, but I thought we would get some pretty great results. And I submitted it to the president of the company with my team targets in advance of our board meeting. And then at the time I was living in Vancouver, Canada, and I flew to Toronto for my head office meeting with the president. And I just remember he sat me down in the boardroom and he slid this one single piece of paper across the table to me. And he said, at the top are your three targets and underneath are the five things you can do to achieve them. And not a single thing was on this proposal that I had spent the last two months working on. It was the same old thing. It was, okay, we're going to cold call these people. We're going to upsell these clients and we're going to offer this service. And that was it. And it was kind of like somebody punched me. I just was, you know, <laughs> I was just stunned that I was being held 100% accountable 
for results that I had zero percent control over how I was going to get them. And I just realized I've spent my entire life to that point uh, going and pursuing a path that I didn't even want to be on. I was working really hard to build somebody else's company when I wanted to have my own company. I wanted to be free and to live my life the way I wanted to live it. And it was just one of those moments. So I left knowing that day that I had to quit. I didn't quit on the spot, but in my mind, I quit. That was the day that I quit. And a few months later, I did resign and uh, and went out on my own. So it was one of those moments where I just kind of realized I worked really hard to build something that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. That was the day the plan started. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, truthfully, the plan had always been there. You know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's not that I didn't have a plan. It's just that I never gave myself permission or allowed myself the courage to actually go after it. Mm -hmm. And how do you take what you learned from that lesson and keep applying it to your day-to-day life today? You know, it's, I think you give yourself as you take these steps. So that was hands down the biggest leap of faith I've ever taken in myself because it was 2008. And my husband and I uh, were, we actually were newlyweds at the time. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, well, your husband had a job, right? Well, 2008, my husband was a commercial mortgage broker. And and I don't know how many people know what happened in 2008 in the real estate industry. But it, I mean, it was a massive North American real estate crash. And the banks were not lending commercial money at all. So he was making no money at all. So it was a mm-hmm. terrible time for me to leave my job because I was the breadwinner of the household. Um, but, you know, the courage, the courage that I took, and I just, I just knew I had to do it. And I went for it. Um, at a, at a terrible time for us economically and financially, that courage gives you so much more courage to do other things in the future. So once you take one leap, it gets easier and easier to do things that previously would have seemed impossible. Yeah, I love it. You stretch your comfort zone, that's for sure, with, the, mm-hmm. with each decision. And Julie, you know, just going along the same theme, then the next thing I'd love for you to share is a story about a wake-up call you had. It sounds like you definitely had a wake-up call. Like the plan, you know, like you said, the plan had been forming for a while, but that, that was a pivotal moment um, for you. If you could share with us another story about a time when you had a wake-up call. For some people, it's like a flashbulb moment. Or like your, the last story you shared, it's it's like a slow dawning and awakening, but then there's that moment of like action has to be taken. So share with us the story of what led up to that moment of action and the steps you took that led to your success. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of tricky. I know that one of the other kind of big realizations that I had was um, my husband and I went to this couple's retreat. And uh, we went more to support our, our friend, uh, his name's Philip McKernan, who had kind of gotten into the personal growth space at that time. And we thought, oh, this will be really fun. And it was intended to deepen your relationship, that kind of thing. And, and we worked together. Uh, and, and so we thought this would be nice to spend some time focusing on us. Um, I, I had this one moment and it was kind of a moment where everything came crashing down on me as we did these personal growth exercises. And and I realized that I've done uh, I've done almost everything in my life, but a tremendous number of really important things in my life, not because I wanted to, but because I wanted people to like me. And I'd been holding back my opinions in business, and I basically was making myself sound like everything else in the everybody else in the industry. At the time, I, I had built a real estate education and training company, so that's where I went uh, when I left my job. Was I went and built a real estate education training company while we also built up our real estate portfolio. And I had some really strong beliefs about some of the garbage that is taught and some of the things that are really commonly accepted as truths in real estate when they're not. 
And I didn't talk about them. I held all that stuff back because I was afraid of making people mad or people telling me, you know, that they didn't like me because we didn't share the same opinions. But it was bigger than that. You know, I did it in my in my personal life, too. I did a lot of things just so my husband was would think I was a great wife. And, you know, my parents would think I was a fantastic daughter. I did all these things just so people would like me. And I it all kind of came crashing down in at this couple's retreat. And the interesting thing is after that point, I mean, it was a there's like this period of misery when you realize that nobody knows who you are because you haven't shown anybody who you are. But bit by bit, as I started to be myself, uh, some really cool things happened. And that was actually there's more of a story to it. But the short version is that my book, um, I ended up I was turned down by a publisher, by kind of the main publisher for the real estate book that I wanted to write my first book as. And uh, it was it was a blessing in the end because I was able to self-publish and write the book that I wanted to write, sharing all these opinions about the real estate industry that I felt. And interestingly, because I had gone through this moment and I wanted to be honest and I wanted people to hear my stories and to really hear my side of it, that book, that's, I think, the main reason why that book has done so well. And it, to this day, it's been three and a half years, it's still selling phenomenally well in Canada. And I think it's because I was, for the first time in a long time, I was truthful and I was actually me. <laughs> yeah. It's so counterintuitive. Like, we're we're brought up to and you know when you're little and you're not really sure <laughs> you know it's it's good to have more bumpers around behavior of what's right and wrong but as an adult when you you get a sense of like you know what you can say what you can't say you can you can ease up a little bit on yourself but we still have this old programming that we have to say and do certain things and when we finally come to the realization that well, yes, you will repel some people by being perfectly honest. You'll actually attract to you the people who are meant to be in your life, in your programs, you know, doing work with you because you're honest and they can relate to you and see who you really are. Yeah, it was an amazing thing. And it was the, the amazing people I've met since I really started to just be me is phenomenal. And it, it's funny because we are really kind of taught to fit in. And yet in business, if you fit in, you don't stand out. And it's really hard mm -hmm. to attract clients. It's hard to attract business. So you have to stand out and you have to have people that disagree with you because otherwise you're being too generic and too vanilla. Right, right. You can be professional and, you know, have have a diverging opinion at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And, and it's by expressing those opinions that, you know, like we said, distinguishes you from other people, but it's without being unkind or just doing it to be disruptive or disagreeable. It, it's, it's showcasing who you are in a professional kind manner. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And Julie, this is a great segue because the next thing I wanted to ask you is about your leadership style, like your authentic leadership style. And you and I both know there are certain foundations to leadership, right? You have to ha be able to build relationships, have good communication skills, be a great listener, you know, ask good questions. But, you know, because of who we truly are, like our preferences, our strengths, our past experiences, there are nuances to leadership. So Julie, how would you describe your leadership style? Um, I lead by example. So, you know, I think I think I've, I've spent a lot of years being better at communicating, too, so that, you know, I don't come across too abrupt or too blunt or, or even too polite. You know, you, there's kind of a fine balance there that you get your message across. But really, ultimately, I lead by example. And, and my my own personal saying is the missing piece is always action. And, and I live by that. If you're not happy with something, you know, I don't mind if you bitch about it, but go fix it. Go do something about it. And that's how I live my life. So that's kind of the example that I set. And 
I'd rather be taking action and making mistakes and having the people around me and my team and my family doing the same than be afraid of making mistake and just never accomplishing anything, never feeling good about what they've done or or always kind of wishing that they had. And, and so that's kind of my perspective. I love that. I took on a challenge years and years ago that if I complained about anything, I had to do something about it. And it really changed my life and it changed my perspective because I would either censor what I would say about it and convince myself it was okay and it was fine. So it probably wasn't anything too bad. I was just being lazy and just wanting to complain or I would, I would take at least a small action, you know, to, to try to rectify the situation. And I asked my team to take it on at the same time. And I couldn't believe how it changed the environment that we were working in, that, you know, some things that we had all sat around and complained about, all of a sudden we were doing something about, and that was amazing and provided an energy to the team that we hadn't had before. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a great, a great challenge to give yourself. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks for the inspiration again. And Julie, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Well, on the personal side, I'm I'm just a handful of weeks. At, well, not even that from uh, having my first child. So. <gasps> Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so that's exciting. So that's a pretty big project, and at the, <laughs> and at the same time, um, we're actually planning to move to Los Angeles in 2017. So I, I'm building a new business that I'll be launching down there because that's part of our visa application. Is um, is it, we're doing going in on a on a business visa. That's so I'll be building a new business. So I'll be helping. Uh, I'll be helping authors of nonfiction books write and self-publish and, and in my view, most importantly, sell their books. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's kind of the two, the, the personal project and the and the business project <laughs> that I'm working on. Two very big projects that you are taking on. That's really awesome. So we'd love to hear more um, as time goes by about how when you're settled in L.A. and have your new business off the ground. And Julie, on the flip side of things, what would you say is the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? For me right now, it's easily being in transition. You know, I'm, I'm very well known in Canada as a real estate investor and educator um, and, and to, the, to a degree around sales, because a lot of what I taught was how to help people raise money for their real estate deals. But it's, it's tricky when you have so many things that are transitioning and yet everybody still sees you as one thing. So that's been that's been the the big challenge that I've faced, but I think a lot of that will fix itself just by 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 moving and kind of re rebirthing ourselves down there, right? Uh, which isn't the reason why we're going, but uh, I think a lot of that will change because in Canada I'm seen as real estate, but in the U.S. I'm not well known at all. So uh, it's a it's a new opportunity there, but it is interesting for people who are changing jobs or changing careers or starting a new business. It's challenging when you're well known in something and you try mm -hmm. to be known in something new. Um, I feel your pain. <laughs> yes. And this is a different arena, but I, w I was chatting with one of my clients. This is the very reason why it's so difficult to change the way our families see us, right? When we have changed, mm -hmm. when we've taken on new things, because our, our families have strong memories of us ingrained mm -hmm. in their heads of when we were children. So it takes more effort to, to have your family see you differently than it is when you go, like in your case, you're going to go into a new community. You're going to say, this is who I am and this is what I do. And they're going to accept it mm -hmm. and see you yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. But that's a great example. I love the family analogy because that is really, truly what it's like. And you're right. That's I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's why, it is why families can be difficult, too. <laughs> 
God, mm-hmm, it is. God love them. Yes. And Julie, tell us about the people you have around you that make it possible for you to sustain and expand your current level of success. I think sometimes when, you know, different guests come on, there's this perception that it's just them and their business and they're making all these magical things happen. And, you know, the the women listening are wondering, well, why can't I do that? But you and I both know it takes a, it takes a whole team of people to help us do what we do. So if you could just give us a quick overview of the people who are supporting you in your business. Oh yeah. It would take, it would be a lot longer. So I'll keep it, I'll keep it simple (laughs) (laughs) because you're right. It is, it's, there's just a tremendous number of people that have stepped up in small and big ways that have meant the world to me and helped me in big ways over the years. But my husband's my biggest supporter. And it's not that he gives me pep talks or, you know, really, it's hard to explain. So the best example I can give you of how he supports me is that day that I told you about uh, when I realized I had to quit that job and and I was the person bringing in the, the money that was paying the bills at the time. When I called him, when I left the office that day, he was the first person I called and I said, I'm going to quit my job. And and uh, and he you know, you'd kind of expect him to panic or to question me because this is what we were living on. But all he said was, OK, we'll figure it out. And it's just that kind of belief that, you know, whatever, you know, if that's what you need to do, we'll we'll make it work. And, you know, I, I trust that this is the right decision for you without him saying any of that. Just the fact that it was like, OK, well, <laughs> we'll figure it out. It was just phenomenal. And it gave me so much confidence. Um, but I, I think a tip that I can offer people and something that I've consciously done since that day that I quit my job is you have to find people to surround yourself with who will support you and ask you, was that your best? Because I think a lot of people in our lives will encourage us and support us to be just less than our best. And you just look around the messages that you might hear. Oh, you need a break. You've been working so hard. Um, you know, oh, come over. Let's binge on ice cream and watch movies. Or if you skip a workout there, they totally encourage it because, you know, they didn't want to work out. They felt lazy and now they feel better about themselves because you didn't work out either. And it's not that people it's not that people are bad or that this is, you know, that they're doing this on purpose. It's just something that's hardwired into a lot of people that they, you know, they want you to do well, but they want you to do just a little bit less well than them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so you really have to choose those people around you who aren't afraid to say, you know, I think, you know, was that your best? Because I, I think you could have done a little better. And they're always pushing you to step up and be great. And it, when you do that and you find those people in masterminds or a mentor or whatever it is, uh, you know, everything in your life and your business will get easier and easier to achieve things because you've got a great support network. Amen. I love that, Julie. Thank you for rounding that out. And now we're going to do a quick leadership roundup. So if you could, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Mm. I generally won't say what I'm going to do. I just go and do it. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably a practice that frustrates some people. But at the same time, um, again, I'm leading by example. Mm-hmm. And you don't give yourself time to second guess either. Not usually. <laughs> <laughs> and Julie, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, I'm biased in saying this, but my new release, The New Brand You, is really geared towards people who haven't stepped into the spotlight to be the known expert yet. And it helps them do that. And especially if that makes you uncomfortable, because I wrote that book from the perspective of somebody who was very uncomfortable in a sales role. And, you know, if you're building a business, you're in sales. So you have to get good about how you're clearing or clearly communicating your value and, and running your business. So 
Um, that would definitely be one that I would highly recommend. But uh, to, to recommend one that's not mine, I recently read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and that was a pretty cool book. I'm just encouraging you to use your own voice and believe in yourself and, you know, to do things, even if they're not perfect, to put them out in the world. And what advice would you give your younger self? Be you. You're, you're the only person worth being, so be you. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Mm, I, I, gave, I gave you my quote already. Um, it's the, the missing piece is always action. And that's just, I think that whenever I'm stuck, if I just take a step, things get more clear. You know, when you're sitting there and there's fog and you don't know, you know, where am I supposed to go from here? Just take one step and then the next step becomes more clear. But if you just try to sit there and figure it all out, you know, the lights will never be green for you to get to the store kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I love this quote, too, because I, I'm always one to say action cures self-doubt. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, it's hard to doubt yourself when you're just taking action. It's when we stop and reflect. That's usually when self-doubt has an opportunity to reappear. But then you just get back in action and it'll it'll start to fade. Love it. Mm -hmm. And lastly, Julie, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Well, because everything's kind of changing, the best thing is to go to my website, havemoreinfluence.com, and uh, and sign up for my Broad Thoughts newsletter. And through that, every I'm giving, I send a newsletter twice a month usually, and you get some tips and videos and things like that. But you'll also stay up to date on what's going on um, with our move and the transition and the challenges that we're facing. Uh, alternatively, my YouTube channel, I, I stay pretty up to date on on the comments there. So uh, you can find me on YouTube and you can find that at my website, havemoreinfluence.com as well. Awesome. And for those of you who are listening, you know, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.